Father God, would you please now take your word and would you speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've, um, last week we began looking at those readings that we're having from Ephesians. And today we are looking at Ephesians chapter 2. I love airports. That's very, very foolish, I know. I've probably spent quite a long time, quite a few hours waiting in airports when I would rather not. But seriously, if I had not gone into the ordained ministry, I would have tried, ended up, I would have tried to go and work at an airport. There's a romance about them. One of the things that make them so special is that they're places where people who are separated meet and come and meet together. You get in the plane, and even though you are far from your home, far from those you love, you are brought close to them. And our reading today is about how in Christ we are brought close. We are brought close to one another, and we are brought close to God. Last week, I tried to explain how the idea of being in Christ as being a little bit by comparing it to a book. Christ is the book, and we are placed, this is us, we are placed in Christ. Uh, and what that means is that where Christ is, we are. Christ crucified. In Christ, we are crucified with him. Christ risen. In Christ, we will be raised with him. Christ seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father. We, in Christ, are seated at the right hand of the Father. Christ on earth. We, in Christ, are his body here on earth. Because we are in Christ, wherever Christ is, we are. And to take the illustration a little further, it's the Holy Spirit who binds us together into the book. And we only mean something, or we only have our real full meaning, when we are in the book. On our own, as a torn-out page, I won't do that because I'll get told off, um, we are useless. And if we're torn out of the book, well then, the book is missing something pretty important. If I rip out this page, and then we announce Tim 470, and you happen to have this book, you'll be a bit annoyed because Tim 470 isn't in the book. Or we thought of Christ as being a bit like a building, this building. We come from many different countries, yet here in this building, we are together. In Christ, we come from many different places, yet in him, we are together. In Christ, we have been brought together. And in Christ, we who are far from each other have been brought near to each other. We've been made one people, one new humanity. 
There was a great division between Jew and Gentile. Jews, imagine, imagine this, you are the Jews, you are the Gentiles. There is a great division between the Jew and the Gentile. The Jews despised the Gentiles and the Gentiles ridiculed the Jews. And it's a significant division because the Jews were God's chosen people. God had said to the Jews that they would be his people and he would be their God. He gave them, he gave this lot here, this side, his promises. His promises of a home, of a kingdom of joy and peace and abundance where there would be no more sickness or death. He gave them a purpose. They were to bring his blessings to other peoples, even if it meant that they would have to suffer. And he gave them the promises of his presence. That He warns them it will not be easy, that they'll have to walk through fire and go through deep waters. But he said that he will be with them. He will guide them. He will strengthen them and comfort them and restore them. And now in Christ, us lot have been united with this lot. Gentiles have been united together with God's people. Their history becomes our history. Jonathan Sachs, the, the former chief rabbi in the United Kingdom, writes that as Jews recall the story of how God rescued his people from Israel 4,000 years ago, they say, when we were slaves in Egypt, when we came through the Red Sea, and as people who are now in Christ, we too can say that. The Old Testament becomes our book as well, not by birth, but by adoption. And the promises that God gave to them become promises that God gives to us. Their future becomes our future, and our future is their future. Paul writes, he says, now you who were once far off, you Gentiles were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. These verses in Ephesians 2 specifically apply to the division that exists between Jew and Gentile, but they also can apply to all those other divisions which separate us from other people. Divisions of nationality, customs, diet, language, skin colour, class, education, sure you can think of more. In Christ, those divisions have been broken down. One of the most powerful communion services I have ever attended was when I was in Bangalore in India. We were in church. I was told as I looked round that here were people from every caste, from Brahmins through to Dalits, untouchables. And we all came forward and we all drank 
from the same cup. In Christ, we have a new permanent global cosmic identity. My first allegiance is not to my nation or my tribe or even my family, however important they are. My first allegiance is to Christ. That's why authoritarian states are always going to be suspicious of Christians. They cannot rely on their total, absolute loyalty. All our customs, all our achievements, all the things in which we put our pride or security are shown to be worth nothing. We come as sinners who have nothing to offer. Our position in Christ is not due to my keeping any law or observing the commandments, but on his death for me and for you, on his forgiveness, on his overwhelming grace and love. I am a sinner who has been saved by grace and brought into Christ. You are a sinner who has been saved by grace and brought by faith into Christ. And Christ, in his death for you and me, has broken down the wall that stood between us. Um, I mean, think back, think back to some of those physical walls. Think back, those of you who can, who are old enough, think back to the Berlin Wall. That was a literal wall which separated people. It was a symbol of the division between East and West. And then in November 1989, it was smashed down. Well, in about AD 33, when Jesus died on the cross, the wall that separated you from me was smashed down. And we who are far from each other have been brought together. We're no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints. We are members of the household of God. In a few minutes' time, we're going to uh, speak of the fact that Christ is our peace, that in him we have been brought together as one body, and we share the peace. And my prayer is that the peace which we share on Sunday will be the peace that we live one with another from Monday to Saturday. In Christ, we who are far from each other were brought together. And in Christ, secondly, we who are far from God have been brought close to God. We were, especially those of us on this side, those of us who were Gentiles, far off from God. At least the Jews knew about God. They knew about his holiness, they knew about his law, they knew about how God was like fire. You do not mess with him. Do you notice how often we miss out those Old Testament passages that speak of the wrath of God, or that show God acting in awesome and at times to us dreadful ways? that we do not understand. The writers of the Old Testament don't omit those passages. They knew who they were dealing with. They knew that God was far bigger than their understanding. 
And those Jews who understood about the holiness of God realised that they were not good enough to come into his presence. They realised that you can only touch fire if you are fire. They realised they weren't good enough to come into his presence and that they needed to come through the sacrifice of another being. They knew about the presence of God, the love of God, but they also glimpsed the awesomeness of God and the otherness and difference of God. And we, we who didn't have the law, well, we either fantasized God or we rejected God. We fantasized him, we made him into a God that we would think we would like him to be. We've reduced him to the status of a doting grandparent or a tame pet or a personal genie. We've certainly cut out of the Old Testament those bits that we don't like. And when that happens, the atheists are right. The God of our fantasy does not exist. He is a figment of our imagination. He's a comfort blanket. And we don't have access to God because we're blind to God. And Paul says to both Jew and Gentile, to the Jew who is aware of the distance between God and themselves, and to the Gentile who fantasized about God and made him to be whoever she wanted him to be, Paul says to them, in Christ, we both have access to the Father. Those are amazing words. To the person who is terrified of God, terrified of the God who is beyond understanding, terrified that they have messed up, terrified that God hates them or against them, these are amazing words. In Christ, we have access to God, the Father. And to the person who has ignored the Bible, who has ignored God or fabricated their own little God, they are amazing words. You can get to know the real God, not just as God, but as our Heavenly Father. We don't now need any sacrifice because there is one who has sacrificed himself for us once and for all. We don't need priests in the Old Testament sense. We don't need someone to stand in our place before God on our behalf because someone has already done that, Jesus. And we don't need mediators. We don't need to pray to the saints or even to Mary in order to get God to hear us. We can go direct to God. We can go direct to the top. Why? Because we are in Christ. And in Jesus, we go to Jesus and together with Mary, together with the saints, we pray in Jesus' name. Because we are in Christ, and he is the beloved one who has always been and always will be in the presence of his Father, then if we are in him, we are in the presence of his Father. That's why we pray Jesus' prayer, our Father in heaven. It sums it up, our Father, intimacy in heaven, the otherness of God. That's why we can know intimacy with God. 
Callistos Ware speaks of how as a child he was struck by the story of the man who would go into church to sit or kneel to pray for hours. Someone said to him, you must have a lot of sins to confess or a lot of things that you need to ask God for. Oh no, said the man. Well, what do you do? He was asked. He answered, I sit and look at him and he looks at me. Most of the time, the Christian life is about walking by faith and being obedient to God when we can't see him or feel him. But there are moments of intimacy. And even if you haven't had them yet, if you are prepared to stop and become vulnerable before God, give God the time, then they will come. We have access to Father God. That's why in Christ, in Jesus' name, praying what Jesus would pray, we can bring our petitions and bequests before him. And we can be confident that even if he doesn't answer our prayers as we would like, he still hears and he will give us what is good and perfect. At Sheremetyevo Airport, just where you have your bags checked after coming in, if you've come in on the Aero Express, there is an Orthodox chapel. I only noticed it last, last week uh, when I was going there with Alison to the airport. In view of what this passage is saying, that's quite appropriate. Airports are places where people from all nations are brought together. Well, the church is just basically a very, very big cosmic airport. It's the place in Christ where we have been brought together, brought together with each other and brought together with our God. Verse 17, so he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him, both of us, Jew and Gentile, have access in one spirit to the Father.